0: Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God.
1: For the past few years, Pastor Joe and the pastors here have through the teaching of the word, um, try to alert you of things that are going on basically behind your back, but now it's coming out more and more in uh, things like this. So you might say, well, what does this have to do with Acts chapter 12? Everything. Everything. I believe we live in the most exciting time of uh, the planet. I believe that the law, the prophets, the New Testament saints all pointed towards this time in history that you and I are a part of, which basically is the end of the age. We're seeing things now that are lining up with prophecy that the rapture of the church is any minute could happen before I'm done. And that would be awesome because I don't know how to wrap up tonight. No, I'm only kidding. (laughs) But that would be tremendous. But some people plan for their vacation more than they plan for eternity. And that isn't good. Pastor Paul said something right at the end of uh, the worship that we just have to Pray, read, and let God reveal. I think we can all go home right now. But how many in the Christian church are doing that? They're reading, they're praying, and they're looking for a revelation from God to them. That is huge. That is the intimacy of our God. So let's take a look at Acts chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Now about that time, Herod, the king, stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. We live in a society today that the church is being harassed. We saw that during the COVID time here in this country. Different states, different churches, the church was being harassed. Now this Herod was from a long line of Herod's. That was the family name, the royal family name. And he was an Edomite. And they thrived among the Jews in the times of the apostles and Jesus. And the Jewish nation despised them, couldn't stand the Herod's. Herod knew this. This this particular Herod was Agrippa I. Okay, there were different um, Herod's. And he knew that there was a hate and disdain for his reign. But he tried to get on their good side by persecuting those opposed to the Jewish tradition. What a politician. We have a lot of people like that today, don't we, that just go with the flow and what's the popular opinion? And they just want to please the people. Herod Agrippa I was the grandson of Herod the Great, who ruled in the days of Jesus' birth and had the children in Bethlehem murdered. Herod Agrippa I was also the nephew of Herod Antipas, who had John the Baptist's head cut off and was also at one of the uh, councils or trials of Jesus. Psalm 2 talks about the kings of the earth set themselves up and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heaven laughs and the Lord shall hold them in derision. I believe that the class swabs, the gates of hell, Big uh, Bill Gates, all those guys, the Lord just laughs at their strategy, thinking that they hold the future, but yet they're one heartbeat away from eternity. Should we pray for these men and women? Absolutely. But don't discount, discount that they've might have already sold their souls to Satan themselves. That's very important. These men do not, and women do not get in positions of authority, whether it be here in the United States or throughout the world, without a supernatural force behind them. And it should be evident when you hear these people speak whose side they're on. Verse 2 of Acts 12. Then he killed James, the brother of John, With the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now, it is something when those people that are anti God, anti Christ, come against those things that are good, the people that are good. You have to understand that the fame and fortune expand the boundaries of hell. The boundaries of hell increase as these men and women, once they leave this earth and have sold themselves allegiance to the enemy, perish in an everlasting demise. Mark talks about in chapter 10, but Jesus said to them, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And this was an answer to James and John. The same James that we just saw in verse 2 was killed by Herod. If you remember that story, they wanted to sit at the right and the left hand of the Father. And Jesus asked them, are you able to drink the cup that I drink? They said, we are able They didn't know what was coming, but Jesus did. And he said to them, you're indeed going to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I have. But to sit on my right hand and my left hand, that's not mine to give. But it is for those for whom it is prepared. Bible also says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That is not only back in Jesus' day, but as we know, throughout the world, brothers and sisters that will meet in heaven are being persecuted and martyred for their faith. They say that could be coming to the United States of America very soon. Will we still be here? Or will God remove us? We don't know. But we need to be ready in our heart. We need to be serving the Lord where he wants us to be today. Matthew went on to say, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Timothy talks about not being ashamed of the gospel nor being ashamed if you're a prisoner or you know prisoners that have been locked up because of their testimony of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13.3 talks about remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Meaning pray, and think of these people as you will want people to think about you if you were in the same conditions in prison. Do we do that? We have the voice of the martyrs. We have far-reaching ministries. Just want to encourage you to read articles. See the things that your brothers and sisters are going through in the name of Jesus. Pray for them. Continuing along at the end of verse 3. After he killed James, verse 3 I'll start with again. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread, which we also know as Passover. So there were thousands and thousands of people coming to Israel. They were going to Jerusalem. This was a big feast. Verse 4, so when he had arrested him, He put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Now, just to let you know, that was the most military guard you could have, is four squads of soldiers. So it was a total of 16 soldiers that would guard you four at a time. If it was during the nighttime, they would rotate every three hours If it was a daytime, it would be every six hours. And this was the third time that Peter's going to prison. And the last time he escaped. So you know Herod doesn't want this to happen again under his watch. So he's making sure that this guy is securely in prison, guarded, and cannot get out. But... What man or woman want, if it doesn't line up with what God wants, ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. So let's continue in verse 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. In my notes, I blew up, but constant prayer. That constant prayer was continual. It was earnest. They were passionate about it. Their hearts were in it. And it continued for almost a week as we continue in this particular part of Acts. They were serious about it. 2 Chronicles 640 says, Now, my God, I pray, let your eyes be open and let your ears be attentive to the prayer made in this place. Is that how you and I pray? When we pray, do we say, dear God, let your eyes be opened to where I am right now and let your ears be attentive to my prayers made here today. Is it a personal prayer or is it just a prayer you just throw out there? It's like you have a handful of bait and you just throw it out in the lake and you hope fish nibble on it and gobble it up. Or do you pray with a purpose? Do you pray anticipating God to answer where you are? Nehemiah talks about this also. Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, For the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of my children of Israel, which we have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. July 14th, in my town of Atlantic Highlands, there's going to be a a vote on the cannabis opening up on uh, First Avenue, Main Street of Atlantic Highlands, having a shop and a dispensary, the whole thing. They did a preliminary vote, and it's five to one in favor. So I'm asking you to please pray that that's overturned, that the hearts of those five will change and go against this. And just about 20 minutes later in the same meeting, one of the voters said, and we need stricter bike rules to protect our kids from being hurt on the streets. Our kids are very important to us. Wow. Could have fooled me. 20 minutes before you were talking about everybody getting high, buying dispensary. The kids can sell to the, uh, the older people can sell to the young people. Just like it happened with liquor. Hmm. Interesting. Talking about prayer and notice in this that Nehemiah included himself in the sins of the nation. How many of us point fingers at what's going on in our nation, but yet don't turn it on ourselves. Lord, this nation has been against you. I I pray for my sins and the sins of the nation, Lord, that you would forgive this nation, the United States of America, that you would pour out on this nation your Holy Spirit, To bring us back to our knees to pray for our kids and our teens and our 20s and 30s and all the way up the ladder. That churches would be filled again midweek and on Sunday seeking your word together as a fellowship as you tell us to do. To not stop fellowshipping together. Where is that obedience in the world today? In our churches today. It's absent. There's only a remnant that comes out. You probably heard this acronym, but it's a great acronym to bring up right now as we're talking about these things, is the word acts. When we pray, A for adoration, worship the Lord before you pray. C is contrition, confess your sins. Sins of omission, things that you've omitted to do. And sins of commission, those things that you've committed, thoughts, words, and deeds. And then T, Thanksgiving, thank God for everything you have. Well, Pastor Vinny, this has been a rough day for me today. This has been a rough week for me today. This has been a rough year for me today. This has been a rough life. What can I thank the Lord for? You can thank him for him, that you have the knowledge of him, that he died on the cross for your sins, that he rose from the dead, that he poured out his Holy Spirit on you. You can thank him for your heartbeat. You can thank him for your breath. You can thank him for how many times you blinked since I started 16 minutes ago. Hundreds of times you blinked. And you weren't even thinking about it. Imagine you having to just think, i got to blink again, i got to blink again, i got to blink again. That's God. He's got it covered. And as for supplication or intercession, praying for those that are in front of you, behind you, at the side of you, at your house, in your neighborhood, driving by in the car, praying that God would just reveal himself to them where they are. And then Mark talks about in, in the scripture, some prayer... Only takes place through prayer and fasting, some things. And he was talking about supernatural things like demons. Influencing maybe your family's life or your kid's life or a coworker. Maybe you've been praying and nothing's been happening. Well, the scripture says some of these things only come out through prayer and fasting. And Jesus gave us the greatest example. How many times did he just go out and pray? Morning, noon, night, middle of the night, and we're to emulate him. And of course, we know that those who hung with Jesus for a few years, remember what they asked them, Lord, teach us to pray. If you had to rate yourself on a scale from 1 to 10, 10 being the best on your prayer life, where would it fall? And when you put that number in there, what's your goal for tomorrow? God, in the name of Jesus, sent his Holy Spirit inside every believer here to enable us to pray. To worship Him. Do we take advantage of that? Back in Acts 1.14, it talked how they all used to get together. They were constantly united in one accord, which means one mind, one passion. And they prayed and interceded for others. This is something we need to continue to do or start doing with a friend, with a group of friends. The Bible talks about how we should give ourselves continually over to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Let God's Word be yours. Let it minister to you where you are on every given day, not once a week, not twice a week, but all the time. And to mention other people in your prayers. To cover other people in prayer. There's always people, right, that we can think of. And in Ephesians, it talks in Ephesians 6.18. It says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Even the saints in the middle of China or Iran or Russia. In the Ukraine, there's believers that are fighting. Some are dying. Are we praying for them? Even though we don't know them by name, God does. Okay, let's get back to Acts chapter 12, verse 6. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, And the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. Some... Things I like to just bring out. Peter was so in tune with the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. He could rest in peace that passes all understanding while he was chained to two guards in prison. Jesus draws closer to you. Jesus, draw me close. Closer to you. What a great prayer, right? Right out of the, right out of the scriptures. In Acts, it talks about how I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Peter knew he was safe. And if you've been following the book of Acts, there's been some great victories and miracles in the first 14 chapters. This is the first negative thing that's taken place in the book of Acts that Peter's involved in, and that's the death of his buddy, James. The other things when he was thrown in prison was as a result of miraculous things, and I'm preaching in the courtyard, you know, things were happening. Now things are taking a a slight turn for the worse. You and I have to understand that just because we're believers in Jesus, we're not immune, right? And we know this from negative things coming into our life. It rains on the saved and the unsaved. Peter's on with chains. He's between two soldiers. There's guards outside. Remember, there's a group of four soldiers that are on right now. Four of the 16, and there's garden. Post that are outside the prison cell. Now, an angel, not the angel, but an angel of the Lord comes and a bright light shines in Peter's cell. Now, remember, angels are ministering spirits sent to serve those who are to inherit salvation. Pastor Vinny, does that mean me? Yes! <laughs> yeah! God loves you just as much as he did Peter. He might send the very angel that Pete had. And what a comfort to know that God is watching out. They're ministering spirits. And these ministering spirits protect, they reveal information, they guide, they provide for. And we see that throughout the scriptures. So this light that shone. This prison break was not done in secret or in darkness or in silence. It wasn't like one of these mysteries and everything was being done real, you know, behind closed doors and everything was, was uh, a mystery. The angel, he was sleeping so soundly that the angel had to smack him. He had to gently wake him up. He was in a sound sleep. In the midst of a major trial, the angel spoke to him. The chains fell off him, and unless they were rubber chains, they must have made some noise. What's happening with these soldiers who are under penalty of death if they let anybody escape? Guards weren't sleeping. If God wants to use you, nothing man does can stop you. Jesus, think about Jesus when he just passed through the uh, crowd when they wanted to throw him over the cliff. Think of Paul being bitten by a poisonous snake. and He just shook it off. Peter thought he was dreaming or seeing a vision. He went past two more guard posts, and then, didn't have remotes back then, the iron gate of the town just opened up, and Peter just walked through. Now, Peter leads him down a side street, and then all of a sudden, I'm sorry, the angel leads Peter down the side street, then all of a sudden, what happens? Angel disappears. Well, Peter was born again, but he was in prison. He was in physical chains. He was not ready to go out yet. The angels told him to gird yourself and tie your sandals. Now, back then with the long robes, if they, have, they were in a hurry, they would gird their uh, robes. They would tie them up so they became like shorts. They were higher so if they had a run or anything or go through a river, they would keep their robe from being wet. They were ready. They were getting prepared for action. So here we see the angel is telling Peter to gird yourself and tie your sandals. Now I'm sure if God wanted to, he could have went, just thought it and whoosh, Sandals were on his feet and Peter could have walked out. But notice he made Peter do something. It wasn't all just a supernatural thing. He made Peter gird his his rope and put on his sandals and tie them. I wonder from that point on, whenever Peter tied his sandals, he remembered the time he was in prison and the angel came to him. Think of those things in our life that trigger a thought of Jesus, right? I've said this here before. I tell people we have a prodigal daughter, Ashley, and I say every time you drive by Ashley Furniture Store, pray for my daughter, please. And I keep praying that they keep opening up a lot of Ashley Furniture Stores throughout the world. But things that just trigger what God does. I think of when I had COVID and just a month or so ago when I had pneumonia. Just how breathing is a miracle of God. Boy, it feels good. Just a heartbeat is a miracle of God. But so many times we take this for granted. We all do, myself included. But boy, when it's on the verge of being taken away, you appreciate it so much more 1 Peter 1:13 1, talks about girding up the loins of your mind and be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus gird be prepared don't let anything hinder you or get in your way as you walk with the Lord this is what Peter writes in his letter Gird up the loins of your mind. Are our minds prepared to serve and walk with Jesus? Or are there things that are in our way that are hindering us? That we're tripping over ourselves spiritually. Because we're not fully committed to our dear Savior. Who committed himself fully to us. How much did he commit himself to us? Totally. He went to the cross. And he died for your sins and for mine. But he's risen. And he's alive. And he lives within you and me. And he's not done with us yet. That's why we're still here. That's why we still have breath. That's why we still have a heartbeat. Peter needed a touch to wake up. He needed that touch from the angel. You might feel you're confined, that you are in a mental or an emotional or a spiritual prison. You may feel helpless because your hands are tied and you need a touch from God. Well, understand, He wants to touch you. He wants to pour out His Spirit on you. He wants to help you navigate through whatever it is you're going through. Pray that God gives you that freedom. I pray right now for anybody that's going through anything where they feel confined that God gives you the freedom to move in the direction that he wants you to go. Let's go back to Acts chapter 12 verse 11. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. Isn't it always like that? When you come to yourself, when you sort of wake up and realize the Lord has been walking with you, bringing you through something and helping you step by step, through whatever you're going through, his word will guide you as you ask for him to show you direction. His word, the Bible said, is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Do You take advantage of his word. Verse 12, so when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Now, just think from the time that the angel appeared to the point where the angel dropped him right near the house of his friends that were praying. Look at all the miracles that took place in Peter's life. Verse 13. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it's his angel. Isn't that interesting? They believed in angels. They said that was Peter's angel. Well, Peter was knocking at the door, but it wasn't opening. Wonder if he was thinking something Jesus said knocking the door will be opened. Well, not in this case, Lord. I'm still knocking. I got out of prison, but I can't get into the prayer meeting. Every obstacle put in Peter's path was taken away, but his friend's door remained shut. As believers, do we keep each other out when the Lord is doing a new work? They were praying for Peter's safety and his deliverance. Remember, it's been about a week now that this has been going on, these prayer meetings, but when their prayers were answered, they did not believe it. When we pray, do we expect God to answer or just go through the or do we just go through the motions? Or are we expecting an answer to prayer? They had little faith, but Jesus loved them. I'm sure he laughed and just shook his head. Take comfort, dear brothers and sisters, when you go through seasons of doubt, you're in good company. Happened with the apostles who walked with Jesus for three years, saw his miracles. Now, Rhoda, they named this girl Rhoda, she was just a servant girl. And it was so awesome that this servant girl was the first to encounter Peter. She must have known Peter because she recognized his voice. She was probably part of that prayer meeting. And in her excitement, she forgot to open the door and let him in. But isn't it neat to know that no matter how we serve the Lord, he knows our name. He knows it. Verse 16. Now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But monitoring to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. Now that James was not the James that was killed earlier. It was another James most likely the half-brother of Jesus, and that they wanted to get him the message. And he, Peter departed and went to another place. You know, when things aren't happening in your favor, when doors aren't opening, what do you need to do? Pray. Keep knocking. Just keep knocking on heaven's gate. We are to keep asking to keep seeking, to keep knocking, like that persistent widow in the New Testament. Verse 18. Then as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. Ho, oh, you can bet that these guys were nervous. Now we're going back to the prison. So these guys were looking around every place for Peter. They can't explain what's happened. Verse 19. But when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and he stayed there. Can you imagine the state of Herod? Can you imagine? Peter escapes again. Again, it wasn't his time. And Peter was told by the Lord how he was going to die, if you remember. He was going to be crucified upside down. So he knew when he was in prison that this wasn't the end of his line, not just yet. But there was panic in the ranks of the soldiers. The guards were ordered to be killed. It's very important for all of us here, and if you're listening online, that you're on the right team. You want to be with the winning team. That is crucial. Herod's family was always making the wrong decision when it came to the people of God. They all struck out. When people don't repent and ask for forgiveness, they, like Herod, keep going down and down and down. Let's look at the final end of Herod as we close. Verse 20. Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. And that's in Lebanon, by the way. But they came to him with one accord and heaven made Blastus, the king's personal aid, their friend. They asked for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. So what's happening right here? Remember, if you were with us before in Acts, there's a famine in the land. And if you remember, like um, uh, Barnabas uh, and Paul, they were bringing food from other churches to the church in Jerusalem. So right here in Tyre and Sidon, there's they need food. So they're appealing to Blastus, who's uh, close in uh, king's court. So they're bribing him. They're trying to get um, Herod to show them some favor. So verse 21, so on a set day, Herod, arrayed in his royal royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, the voice of a God and not a man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God and he was eaten by worms and he died. Wow. Wouldn't that be cool if all these guys case they cancel YouTube or something, all these guys, if they didn't repent, that they would just be eaten by worms right on national TV. Herod's name means hero, but he was a zero when it came to spiritual things. God will not be mocked. What you sow, you will reap. In Mark 9, it talks about in hell... Their worms do not die, and the fire is not quenched. So Herod, this Herod, is still down there in the fires of hell, and these asbestos worms aren't dying, and the fire is not quenched. What does it profit a man or a woman if he gains the whole world? and loses his immortal eternal soul every knee is going to bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord the thing is as i know so many of you have received Christ your knee and your tongue your knee is bowing and your tongue is confessing now so we have a lot of practice for that day in eternity When every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Verse 24. But the word of God grew and it multiplied. So at the beginning of our Acts 12, it looked like Herod was having some good days. And the Christians were in trouble. But notice, whenever you think the Christians are in trouble or they're snuffing out our Lord and Savior, the word of God just grows It just multiplies. You can't stop it. Alan Redpath often said, let's keep our chins up and our knees down. We're on the victory side. Isn't that awesome? Let's keep our chins up. Let's keep looking up. And let's keep our knees down. Just praying, reading, looking for the revelation of God. And finally, in verse 25, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem, when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they were doing the thing with the food. They were bringing that food to believers who were hungry, and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Peter, we see him again a little bit in Acts 15, and of course he writes a letter, one Peter, and uh, two Peter, but. He's starting to fade away now. When we pick up next time, we're going to see Paul coming on the scene, bringing the message to the Gentiles, where Peter was mainly targeting the the Jews. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for your word, living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. Lord, I just pray that it penetrates all our hearts right to the core, that we hear what you're telling us, Lord, even though we're collectively here. Speak to our hearts individually. And if there's anybody here that isn't at prison, mental, physical, emotional, I pray, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you just release them. Just help them to be free. And if it is your time, Lord, for them to go through a little longer this trial or this tribulation, that you would give them the grace to persevere. Let them just feel your presence, Lord. Let them hear your voice. And I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here or listening that don't know you as Lord and Savior, that they can do that right now. And it's nothing that any of us said, or it's totally up to God right now if you're opening that heart, dear Lord. I pray that that person would just come to know you as Lord and Savior. And to do that, you have to admit you're a sinner. You have to ask God for forgiveness. You have to look to him for what he did through his son at the cross, to die on the cross, to pay the penalty for your sin. Because sin has the penalty of death. So he died in your place and mine. But you must put your trust and belief in him. You must embrace him. You must be committed to him. So I'm going to say a prayer. And if that's something you want to do tonight, just say this prayer after me. Dear Jesus. I am a sinner. I've traveled my own way opposite yours. And I want to turn. I want to repent from the direction I was going. I want to turn and follow you. Forgive me, Lord, all my sins the ones I remember and the ones I can't remember. Wash away all my sins. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a desire to serve you 24-7, 365, until I meet you face to face. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that prayer, there was a number on the screen. Just call that number. We'll mail some material out to you. If you were here tonight and said that prayer, just see me afterwards and we'll give you a Bible and some other literature to help you get started in your walk with Jesus. Amen.
0: You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 on Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact. At cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.